Welcome to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the podcast covering local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, CastBox, Anchor.fm, Acast, Radio Line, Spreaker, Podbean, Podchaser, Pocket Cast, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, Listen Notes, Radio Public, Podbay.fm, Audible, Playapod, Cloudcaster, GPotter.net, Feed, Pod Paradise, Digital Podcast, iVooks, Podcast Blaster, Podcast Pup, TheLeeWMowen.com, and GemCitySports.com. Music is provided by FreestockMusic.com. Now, on to the podcast with your host, Lee W. Mowen. Time for episode 44 of the only podcast talking local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Good to be back with you after my birthday. It was uneventful. I worked. I turned 30. I didn't want to turn 30. And now I'm okay with turning 30. That's how that went. Anyway, some big news fresh off the pipeline today. And this is from NBCSports.com. Well, Soccer.NBCSports.com. The United Bid will be hosting 2026. And if you don't know what that is, and your first reaction is, what? That means the United States, Canada, and Mexico are going to host the World Cup in 2026. A couple of years from now, that's only eight years, or what would that be, two World Cups away? 2018, yeah, be two World Cups. I'm so proud of myself I got that right. It'll be the largest ever World Cup with 48 teams competing in 80 games, 60 of those matches will be in United States of America. Now, big reason I'm bringing this up, it's not only because it's a big deal for North America, but United States, like I mentioned, hosting the majority of those games. And there is one site near here, Cincinnati, Ohio. And, of course, with the FC Cincinnati timeline, if you haven't been keeping up with that, the new stadium, which is going to be built where Stargell Stadium is on the west end of town, that will be open by then. I think 2021 is the target opening day for FC Cincinnati's new stadium. And that would mean that would be a five-year-old venue coming in. Talking about having over 21,000 seats in the new stadium. So, I feel like... If Cincinnati was picked to host World Cup games, that's quite a bit of coin for the Sunday area. Of course, Dayton being uh, 30, 45 minutes north, depending on how fast you drive. If you drive the speed limit, it'll probably be close to the 30, but that's just me. Here's my tea I'm drinking it, you know. Uh, no, but some of the other sites... They're potential sites, so not deciding sites. The Ever-16, New York, New Jersey, makes sense. Boston, makes sense. Philadelphia, Atlanta, 
Denver, Miami, Houston, Dallas, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Nashville. They're also getting a new stadium. saw some of their plans, I think, last night. They're going to build on their fairgrounds and move some of the land around for their MLS stadium. So that might be pretty cool. Orlando, San Francisco slash San Jose, or I forget who tweeted it. It was a funny tweet. You mean Santa Clara, you know, home of Levi Stadium, you know, where the 49ers play in the NFL. Then Cincinnati, like I mentioned, also Seattle. I believe that's the only U.S. city that I missed. Canada, there's three that applied. Edmonton, Montreal, and Toronto. And Mexico has Guadalajara, Monterey, and Mexico City. Monterey is what was the home of the indoor football team, Monterey Steel, that was going to be an opponent of the Dayton Wolfpack had they taken the field. They wanted to play at the Nutter Center, and then, what was it, a month or so, things kind of fell, and they became a travel team based in Atlanta. So, yeah. Very exciting. Hopefully Cincinnati gets it. A little sad that Columbus isn't on there. You know, Mafre Stadium, I think I mentioned it last week, Doce Cero, you know, United States men's team, pretty good against Mexico in Columbus. I don't know. So, big breaking news this morning affecting what could be affecting the Cincinnati area. And as we continue on with episode 44, we're going to leave the soccer pitch for now. We'll come back to it. And we'll talk about the MLB draft, which was happening during last episode. It turns out three Wright State Raiders were drafted. The first Raider to be picked was Ryan Weiss, right-hander from South Elgin, Illinois. Picked in the fourth round by Arizona and the Diamondbacks. Second Raider was Caleb Sampin, 20th round by the Los Angeles Dodgers. And Gabe Snyder was the third Raider, picked by the Twins of Minnesota in the 21st round. Three Raiders go in the draft this year. Snyder was the 634th overall pick. Led Wright State in the Horizon League in batting average with 359, 15 home runs, and 73 RBI this year. Just completed a senior year at WSU. And it'll be great to see that three Raiders go through single A and all three will be in the Midwest League. For Arizona, it used to be South Bend and that was a common opponent of the Dayton Dragons. However, it's now Kane County, meaning that the Dragons see the Cougars one time per year. And I forget if they're here or there this year. Last year, I think Dayton was at Kane County because I remember... Dayton took two of three. So it's possible we'll see Weiss as a Kane County Cougar this year. Might be put in rookie ball. Not quite sure how Arizona's going to plan that out. Caleb Sampin, like I mentioned, Dodgers and single-A affiliate are the Great Lakes Loons. And that's an opponent Dayton will play often. And for... Snyder, he'll be on the Western Division of the Midwest League. 
And I believe that's Cedar Rapids, the Colonels, as the Twins have bounced around. I'm trying to remember where the Twins were previous to all the shuffling. I want to say Beloit, but that doesn't sound right. Anyway, three Raiders picked in the draft, and now it's time to talk a little bit about the Cincinnati Reds draft. First round pick was third baseman Jonathan India out of the Florida Gators, still in the College World Series. And he is the only one that has yet to sign, but like I mentioned, he's got a good reason for it. He's in the College World Series. So, and the Reds even mentioned on Twitter, he's a little busy at the moment. I like the Reds draft. Now, you might be wondering, but they got a third baseman already. With India, his bat is the big get. So I like what the Reds have done in the draft. Also, the Reds have picked up UIC Flames starter Ryan Campbell, which I was pretty pumped about. Like I mentioned in a couple episodes, retired 23 batters in a row in the Horizon League tournament in his only game. So I'm pretty excited to see what these future Reds could do. There's no guarantees that They'll turn out to be Reds or turn out the MLB. There's no guarantee. The draft is you pick names. You see how they do in the minor leagues. If they make the major leagues, fantastic. Sometimes it doesn't pan out. That's baseball. That's life. So on Dayton Daily News, they're talking about India and Dick Williams, who's now the team president, was the GM, start the season. Advanced offensive approach is what the Reds really liked out of India. They also think that India won't spend a lot of time in the minors. Might start in Dayton this year whenever the Gators stop playing. And of course, that's if a deal is signed, of course. I don't see why a deal wouldn't be signed, but you never know. So I'm pretty excited. Most of the draft picks don't see Dayton in their first year. It really depends, you know, how much experience they have coming in. High schoolers normally go in the rookie ball, get a taste. And remember this year for Cincinnati, there's now two rookie league teams. Billings, part of the Pioneer League. They've been with the Reds since the 80s. And the Greenville Reds out of Greenville, Tennessee, also home of Tusculum College. A college that I almost picked to go to, actually. I was considering that place, and it turned out I picked Wright State. So, there's no guarantee we'll see him in Dayton this year, and there's no guarantee we'll see him in Dayton next year. There's no guarantees. Like I mentioned, that's baseball. India is probably the most likely of the draft picks to start in Dayton this year. Again, no guarantees. You're listening to a guy that runs scoreboard and sees a lot of players. There's no guarantees on it, as I said for the fifth time. But it should be pretty neat to see how well they do. If you go to Red's Twitter, which is just Red's, you know, nice, simple, easy. And you go past the all-star ballots, which, you know, might talk about closer to time. 
and go through all the game stuff, which, by the way, the Reds won 5-1 to in comeback fashion. Home run by Barnhart gets the game tied, and then Votto's bases clear and triple helps seal the deal, and he's brought home, I think, Suarez with an RBI single. This is from 18 hours ago, recorded 8.36 in the morning on June 13th. The Reds' draft selections who have signed starts off with second-round pick Lion Richardson, and I was listening to Ken Brew's sports talk show on Sunday before going to that Dragons game where they lost to Bowling Green. Lion Richardson's a very interesting pitcher. We'll see how well he does. Ryan Campbell of UIC, like I mentioned, he was signed, picked in the fifth round by the Reds, and that would be the third flame that Cincinnati's drafted. And he'll join former teammate Connor Ryan in the system. Not sure when Connor Ryan's coming back to Dayton. Hopefully soon. So, some of the other picks that have been signed. You have right-handed pitchers, Lion Richardson, Josiah Gray. I think that's Josiah. Ryan Campbell, Yomil Masonet in the sixth round. Catcher, Jay Scheuler. Matthew Pittett in the 8th round, Andrew McDonald in the ninth, Center fielders Brian Ray in the 13th, center fielder Drew Mountain the 16th, catcher Hunter Oliver in the 21st, Connor Curlis of Ohio State 24th round, left-handed pitcher, Ricardo Salinas 25th round, right fielder Brant Stallings 28th round, lefty Jacob Wyrick 30th round, right-hander Justin McGregor 31st, and catchers Edward Guzman, 32nd, and Robert Boselli from the 30th, 7th round. They have been signed, and this graphic is from June 12th. And like I mentioned, this is also a tweet where someone's like, well, the most important draftee hasn't been signed. And the Reds go, um, he's a little busy right now. He's kind of busy right now. He's still in the College World Series, you know. So, like I said, draft, pretty, pretty pumped to see how that turns out, as I always am. I like to see, I like to see people succeed, so I like to see what happens with these future Reds. And now we shift from major and minor leagues. By the way, the Dragons won last night in South Bend to snap a seven-game losing streak with sweeps in the hands of Lake County on the road and Bowling Green at 5th Third Field. With those losses, the Dayton Dragons cannot qualify for the playoffs in this first half. They'll have to try again the second half. Right now, it's Bowling Green and Lansing. Those are very two strong teams, flexing their muscles. And I said Lansing's a very good team. They still are. But I think Bowling Green might be a step ahead. That's a strong hitting team. That's a strong pitching team. They're very good, the Hot Rods. They're the Tampa Bay single-A affiliate, as Lansing's Toronto's single-A affiliate, both in the AL East. So it will be Dayton going against five other teams for the last two playoff spots in the East. The big difference is in the second half, if you're the second half winner, you play the wild card first half winner. And if you're the second half wild card, you go against the first half. And I believe that's Bowling Green. Let's go ahead and take a look. 
SwingoverMidwestLeague.com. Like I mentioned, Dayton is out of the running of the playoffs the first half. They'll end the first half on the road at South Bend and West Michigan. Like I mentioned, Dayton won last night by a score of 3-2. to two. It's nice to see the scoreboard back up and working. We go to the standings. Bowling Green has a three-game lead with, I think, what would that be, six to play, seven to play? I think, no, five to play, excuse me. I'm thinking about when the series started yesterday. So Bowling Green and Lansing are your first-half playoff teams. As every other team has been eliminated, South Bend's loss makes it impossible for the Cubs to catch up. Lansing, like I mentioned, three games back of first half, or first, I should say. You get two home games instead of one if you're the top seed. If you're a wild card, you start at home, but then you got the opportunity to win two on the road. So it's doable for the Lugnuts, but with Bowling Green going eight and two in their last ten, and Lansing going four wins, six losses... Bowling Green looks to have the top wrapped up. In case you're curious about the West, that's a real big log jam. There's still three teams alive outside the top two. Clinton is the top team for now, but they have a one-game lead over Peoria. Clinton's the single-A affiliate of Seattle, and St. Louis has the Chiefs. Used to be a Cubs affiliate. It's amazing how much Peoria's flip-flop throughout their history between Chicago Cubs and the Cardinals, the Cubs one is South Bend, happened to be the Cubs. Not a big fan of the South Bend changing the name from the Silverhawks, but whatever. Quad Cities is two games back. They still have a legitimate shot for a first half qualifying playoff spot. Kane County and Wisconsin lose once, they're done. Kane County's five and a half back at first, Wisconsin six. Beloit, Cedar Rapids, and Burlington. Burlington was the second place team. And then Dayton swept the Bees, and Burlington hasn't been the same since. They fell from second to eighth place in the West. Like I mentioned, if you don't get in the first half, there is a second half to get. And now it's time to talk about Summer Ball in the Sunday area. There's two big leagues Prospect League and the Great Lakes Summer Collegiate League. Prospect League has. What is it? A couple? Maybe a week? Head start? We'll start with the Prospect League. There's the Champion City Kings out of Springfield. They're currently 3-4 and four on the year. They are currently in 4th place in the East Division in the Prospect League. 4 out of 5. They have a game and a half up on 5th place Butler, Pennsylvania. Chillicothe leads the East Division by half a game over West Virginia. The Paints, formerly an indie ball team in the Frontier League, now in the Prospect League. It's Chillicothe, West Michigan by half a game, Kokomo three games behind, Champion City and Springfield three and a half, Butler five. In case you're curious about the West Division, there's six teams out there. Terre Haute. Terre Haute? Terre Haute. Indiana in the lead. One and a half back, Danville, Illinois. Two and a half back, Quincy. I believe they're Illinois. Maybe Missouri. I think they're Illinois, actually. Quincy. 
Springfield, Illinois, three back. Hannibal, Missouri, four and a half back. They're now called the Hannibal Hoots. Their old franchise were the Cavemen. They were dormant for a year or so, then became the Hoots. And Lafayette, Indiana, and the Aviators, two and ten. They're six and a half back. And the Prospect League runs roughly about two months, then you have playoffs, and then that's your season. Great Lakes just got underway. And there are a lot more Cincinnati-Dayton representatives in the standings. There's two divisions, North and South, this year. Or Northern Southern, if you want to be correct, I suppose. Your leaders in the South, there are two in the area. The Hamilton Joes, which, by the way, are celebrating 10 years of existence. It's great to see Hamilton do well with their summer team. And if you wonder why they're called Joes, it's not coffee-related. It's Joe Nuxall-related. Birthplace, Hamilton, Ohio. The old lefty rounding third and heading for home. I uh, That's probably one of my favorite names in sports, the Hamilton Joes. So, hats off, Hamilton. They're also tied with the Cincinnati Steam, called Western Hills High School Home. The Steam and the Joes tied for first, along with the Galleon Graders, the machines that tear up asphalt, which have been happening a lot since then. You know, the state flower of Ohio is blooming. That's the construction barrel. The state flag is the construction sign. Okay, I'm being a little too harsh on Ohio. The state flag's the end construction sign. Actually, it's end road work. It used to be end construction. wonder why that is. Why it's road work instead of construction anymore. Oh, well. Leave you wondering. From Athens, Ohio, Southern Ohio is in fourth place by half a game. They're 2-1. and one. Galleon, Hamilton, and Cincinnati, 2-0. and oh. Richmond Jazz in Indiana, 1-2 and two to start the season. Xenia, 0-2, oh and, and Licking County, 0-3. Oh Richmond, a game and a half back. Xenia, 2, and Licking County, 2.5. We go to the North Division, the Northern Division, where Grand Lake leads all with a 2-0 and oh record. They are a half game over the St. Clair Green Giants. Ho, ho, ho. Muskegon and the Clippers, 2-2. Two and two. They're a game back. Tied with Lima and Lake Erie at 1-1. One and one. Lima locals looking to defend their championship. They got a new coach. And probably the most successful franchise in the GLSCL. Of the Great Lakes. Saginaw, 3-5. and five. They're 2-back. And Irish Hills, they're 1-3 and 2-back and as well. Saginaw being the newest team, and they had a three-game series with the St. Clair Green Giants. In case you're wondering why Saginaw and St. Clair have had so many games compared to, you know, your 1-1, one one, your 0-2, yada, yada, yada. They had a game at the Great Lakes Loons Dow Diamond, which is the single-A field of the Dodgers, like I mentioned earlier. And I forget who won that game, but that's still pretty cool. You get to play in a minor league ballpark. Normally you have high school fields for Richmond's case. McBride Stadium's been in the community for a long, long time. Kept up quite well too. Xenia's got athletes and action complex south end of town. Steam, like I mentioned. They got Western Hills. Hamilton's got Foundation Field. They were looking... Uh, years back, doing a study, seeing if you know Hamilton can support a 5,000 seat place. 
Not sure what happened to that study, but there you go. I'm not quite sure where Lima plays. There's no minor league ballpark up there, at least none that I know of. Grand Lake, they got Montgomery Field. That's also the home of the Wright State Lake Campus Lakers baseball team. And that's also the home of Salina High School baseball. Up there, hopefully they have their press box fixed from that tornado. God, when was that? Was that this year or was that last year? I know it was during the podcast live, but there you go. So, check out some summer ball. You won't be disappointed. It's mainly... College kids getting a chance. I was going to say mainly local, but that's not quite true. Because I forget if it's the prospect of the Great Lakes where you can only have four from one school. If you have more than that, then, you know, you can't have them type of thing. So now let's leave the baseball diamond and go to the soccer pitch again. Bet you didn't see that coming. We'll start in Dayton with the Dutch Lions they suffered their first loss on the season, had a 1-0 lead heading into the half, and then gave up three unanswered goals to Lansing United at home and fell 3-1. Dayton 4-1-1 on the year, that's four wins, a draw, and a loss. They're heading back on the road to take on the Michigan Bucks, and that'll be today, Wednesday, June 13th. And I'm still weirded out by the fact that the Bucks no longer play at that Ultimate Arena soccer place. They're playing at Royal Oaks High School, according to this. The Dutch Lions of Dayton will be home against their Cincinnati foes on Saturday, June 23rd. And three home matches left for the Dayton Dutch Lions. Cincinnati, Michigan, and Lansing coming back in on June 23rd, June 30th, and July 15th. And visit ddlfc.com to learn more about watching your Dutch Lions play. Again, no WPSL team this year. They're taking the year off. Hopefully, they'll be back next year. We'll go to the Cincinnati Dutch Lions now. They picked up their first win on the road in quite unique fashion. Broke a couple records. The most goals ever scored by the Dutch Lions. They scored 6 to take down Derby City 6-0. I think it was 4 nothing at the half. I think it was 3 nothing in like the first 10 minutes if I remember right. SC Cincinnati fans were pretty happy with that because, you know, Louisville City beat FC Cincinnati at Nippert Stadium. And, you know, Cincinnati, Louisville, they love each other. You know, and everything. Well, except Reds and Bats. It's about the only other thing I can think of. So we look at the standings of the USLPDL. If they ever load. Dayton is now in second place, two points behind Lansing. Lansing United, four wins, three draws with 15 points. Dayton still with the best goal differential with seven, plus seven. Lansing United's at plus six. West Virginia in third place, two wins, one loss, and four draws. Cincinnati in fourth place with that win. They're tied with the Michigan Bucks. At one win, two losses, two draws. The Cincinnati Dutch Lions with the better goal differential at plus three compared to Michigan, dead even at zero. And in sixth place in the Great Lakes Division of the Central Conference, Derby City and the Rovers, zero wins, six losses, and a draw. That one draw happened to be at Cincinnati. And 
Three goals scored, 21 allowed for a goal differential of negative 18. So that's what's happening with the Cincinnati Dutch Lions. We'll take a look at the schedule for Cincy's. If it ever loads. I can tell you that June the 10th is the next match day for Cincinnati. My internet is slow today. Mm -mm. Probably should stop and let it load. But while I'm here, we'll talk about FC Cincinnati next. Cincinnati Sirens, of course. See how the women's team is doing because they are part of the local Sunday sports scene. We'll go ahead and load the Cincinnati Sirens because there we go. Cincinnati Dutch Lions next home game is Friday, June 29th. There's two road games for Cincinnati. Like I mentioned, short trip to Dayton is June 23rd at 7. West Virginia Chaos hosts Cincinnati Saturday, June 16th. Next home game is 29th. That's a Friday at 7 against Lansing United. Cincinnati takes to the road, take on Derby City July 1st. There are three home games left, three home matches left for Cincinnati, July 3rd and 13th, and then June 29th. Both July home games will be against the Dayton Dutch Lions. The first meeting between the Dutch Lions will be next Saturday, or 10 days from now. Now we look at the Cincinnati Sirens. They suffered two road losses. So I'm trying to pull it up from the website. It's not showing. But Cincinnati fell at FC Pride, which is in Indiana, close to Indianapolis. I keep forgetting WPSL is a radio station. Looks like in Miami, Florida. Maybe. I'm not sure. I probably should have this bookmarked and then open the bookmark, but nah, that's too much work. WPSLsoccer.com. When will I ever learn? Answer, never. Like I mentioned, the Sirens fell on the road. They fell at Cleveland and the Ambassadors. I think 6 to nothing. We'll check the standings right now. In the East Region, the Ohio Valley Conference, Cincinnati. One win, three losses on the year. Gold differential, negative three. They are ahead of the AAFC Lumberjills, that's Ann Arbor FC, Empire Revs, who Cincinnati beat at home, and Empire Revs spotting a negative 16 goal differential. Motor City FC in first place, four wins on the year for Motor City and 12 points, and a plus 12 to boot. Cleveland and the Ambassadors, 3-0-1, that's wins, losses, ties. So I draw. 10 points, plus 11. Columbus Eagles, 2 wins, 1 loss, 2 draws. FC Pride, 2 wins and a draw. Steel City, 2-2. Two two. Indy Saints, 1-1. One one. Sirens, 1-3. And, and like I mentioned, Ann Arbor FC, 1-4. Empire, 0-5. That's how your Sirens of Cincinnati are faring. Go back and tell you. There's not a lot of home games left for the Cincinnati Sirens. 
tell you the next one will be at Lakota West High School, as they all are. Saturday, June 23rd at 5 o'clock versus Steel City. Last home game for Cincinnati will be against the Cleveland Ambassadors, the I-71 Cup. I know Lakota West isn't on I-71, but work with me here. I'm sure Cleveland takes I-71 to get there. It's not that bad to get to Lakota West from there. At least I don't think it is. I don't know. Again, Saturday, July 7th, your last home game for the Sirens. Your next home game is June 23rd. Cincinnati will have three road games to go. Actually, four. They'll be at Indy Saints in Indianapolis. I told a lie. FC Pride was a home game June the 9th. The Sirens did fall in that contest. I was thinking it was away and away. It was a home and away that weekend. But Cincinnati will be in Indianapolis against the Indy Saints Friday, June 15th for coming home against Steel City on the 23rd. And now we look at FC Cincinnati. Still crazy to think that this franchise is growing so far and just the passion, the fan base down in the Queen City. Very impressive. We go to the schedule. There's two home games this week, I believe. We go to June. We saw that the FC Cincinnati squad fell via penalty kicks 3-1 in the Open Cup. Minnesota United moves on. However, FC Cincinnati took out their frustration on that with a 2-0 win at North Carolina FC. Bethlehem still FC's in town Wednesday, June 13th. That's today. Actually, tonight at 7.30. And then this Saturday, June 16th, Cincinnati will host the Richmond, Virginia Kickers. We're going on the road to Canada, take on Toronto FC 2. And close out June with a home game on the 30th against the Ottawa Fury FC Club. So, FCCincinnati.com is the place to check out the schedule. We look at the standings now in the USL. Why is this loading so much faster than Cincinnati Dutch Lions one? Cincinnati in first place. They have played 13 games and picked up 26 points. Eight wins, two draws, and three losses. And a goal differential plus eight, which is tied for the most with the New York Red Bulls 2 squad. And FC Cincinnati has... Won three of their last five in USL play. Right behind FC Cincinnati's Louisville City. They are 7-2-2. Two two. A goal differential plus seven. They are 2-2-1 two, two and one in their last five. Drawing a scoreless affair against the Bethlehem Steel. Who right now on top of the bubble. Should the season end today. It doesn't. It ends close to October I think. Pittsburgh in third place, five wins, a loss in six draws, and one, one, and three in the last five. Charlotte, six wins, four losses, and two draws for the Independents. Like I mentioned, New York, who is tied with the best goal differential at plus eight in the East. They're in fifth place. Nashville, five wins, five draws, and two losses. Charleston, five, five, and three. That's wins 
draws and losses. I know I mix those up, but if I say them, you know, hopefully that makes it a little better. And five wins, five losses, three draws for Bethlehem. Underneath the line, which is if the season ended today, you'd be in the playoffs. And if you're underneath the line, you're not. That's how that works. Tampa Bay looking in. They have 18 points. They're tied with Bethlehem at the moment, along with Indy 11, the Indianapolis franchise. The only thing that stinks about FC Cincinnati go to MLS next year, you don't have the rivalries of Louisville or Indianapolis. You got Columbus, unless Precourt moves them after this year. Precourt. Penn FC, which is the old Harrisburg City Islanders, if you remember that squad. Four wins, four draws, and five losses. Ottawa, four wins, three draws, and five losses. Four, seven, and one for Richmond. Three, six, and two for North Carolina FC. Atlanta United, two, seven, and four. And Toronto, two. No wins, 11 losses, two draws, and the worst goal differential in the East with negative 18. They've lost their last five, and like I mentioned, lost 11 of their 13. And the standings do not show the West here on FCCincinnati.com, which is okay with me. Talked a little soccer, talked a little baseball. There are some college soccer schedules available for you. WSURaiders.com. Both the men and the women schedules are released. The Dayton Flyers women's soccer schedule is released. The men's soccer schedule is not, however. Been looking through the Atlantic 10 teams and I didn't think about writing them down. Well, thinking again. I was at work. I didn't have my calendar, so there you go. But I know October 6th, Dayton's hosting Davidson and Wright State's homecoming weekends that weekend. They're taking on, the Raiders are taking on UIC in both women and men. I don't remember if that's the first time that's ever happened, where it's the same school coming in for homecoming weekend at Wright State. And I think club football's got a home game. It might be against Ohio State again. That was a lot of fun. In between soccer matches, going over to the field, just watching it from the hill. And there was a lot of angry people there. And Ohio State ended up winning in triple overtime. Still fairly successful homecoming. Both Raiders soccer squads won. Women beat Oakland 2-0. And... Men beat Detroit Mercy 3-1. to Like I mentioned, there's some college soccer schedules being released. I can't wait for my announcing season to start again. This week was supposed to be the week where I interviewed Andrew Wilson about his plans. He wanted me to spread the word out. Hopefully that is next week on the podcast. But I will close out this show and talking about me. You know, me. I mentioned that before I, my birthday, I didn't want to turn 30. I didn't want to think that I was in my 30s. I didn't want to think, you know, I'm, I can still be successful on that. I mean, I still have my doubts. I always do. I'm very pessimistic. Pest? Pest. Well, some people think I'm a big pest too, but they're jerks. So who cares what they think? 
anymore I'm a pessimistic person, but I've been th thinking a lot lately about how I'm going to become successful. And I don't know. I don't know if I need to... I don't know what my next steps are as a broadcaster. I started the podcast for two reasons. One, because I was sick of Dayton sports getting absolutely zero love unless it's college basketball season. And the fact that I know about local sports, why not talk about it on a podcast? It took me several years to actually start it, and I had my blue snowball for like five years before I actually got it underway, but, you know, it's enough of that. Lately, I've been doing a lot more PA announcing, which I'm not complaining. I love PA announcing. If I have a microphone in my hand, that's that's pretty cool. I, I love it. My big broadcasting is still hockey. I don't know if it'll always be that or not. I can't tell the future. So don't ask me for lottery numbers. I'm not going to lie. It's been tough this summer without the Dynamo and without... You know, another team to call home has been really tough. But what can you do? These things happen. That's also another thing. I wish I had news on the Dynamo, but I don't. I heard that there's really good news in the pipeline, but um, yeah, that's about it. That's all I can tell you. I've been thinking a lot about my identity. As a person. I've been thinking a lot about. As a broadcaster. What do I need to do to get a job? Because in terms of getting interviews. From job applications I actually send in. I'm batting about. 150. So yes under the Mendoza line. Or is it called during the. Uh, <laughs> one of the Dragons games. I couldn't think of it. So I said Mason Dixon lines. Like oh wait a minute. That's, that's uh, something. That's a geographical feature. Geographical feature. There we go. I'm trying to expand my resume. I mean, I'm 20 games away from calling a 1,000. I'm a lot more away from 500 games announced as a PA announcer. I... I just wish there was something that would point me in the right direction. Because I want to work in broadcasting. This November will be eight years that I got my degree and I feel like I haven't used it. In reality, I haven't used it to its full potential, sure. But it's only been a couple years ago where I finally started getting paid for broadcasting. Which I know, money isn't everything, I get that, but from 2010 to 2015, I don't think there was one time I got paid for broadcasting. There was a time where I was supposed to get paid for broadcasting from flying to the hoop, but I never got that check, and they no longer want to talk to me, either on the check or future opportunities, so that's nice. Um... I don't know what's in store for my future. So, I've gone from a down 
attitude to what's next. What is next for yours truly? I want to keep doing the podcast. I want to keep doing announcing and broadcasting. That's what I want to do in my life. I want to be a loudmouth. You know, because I'm good at it. There's not a lot of things I'm good at anymore. Broadcasting and announcing happen to be two of the things I'm best at. Everyone keeps saying, you know, keep pushing. Yeah, but I feel like I keep pushing, but I'm feeling like I'm going blind. Like, where do I go next? What's my next step? How do I get my foot in the door? And I just wonder when my big break will come through. When people actually know who I am. When people think that I'm not just some irrelevant speck in the atmosphere just floating on by. I want to be someone that people know that is a great broadcaster, great announcer. So, I, I don't know if anyone's like, anyone that listens to this podcast is good with, you know, getting feet indoors or, you know, that type of thing. Not physically, that, that hurts. I've got my foot stuck in a door once and it hurt. My whole big thing is just, I'm looking for that next step and I don't know how to get to the next step. So, if anyone's good at that stuff, hit me up at the usual address. So yeah, been thinking a lot about that. Been thinking about a lot about who I am as a person, what's next in my career. Now some people look at this and say, you're ungrateful, blah, blah, blah. It's weird that they say blah, blah, blah after you're ungrateful, but I think you got my point. I'm not ungrateful. I'm happy that I have this. I just want the next step. I want the next thing. I don't want to keep stopping. I want the next step. So, if anyone can help me out on that, you know, like I said, usual address... Twitter, the Lee W. Mowen, Facebook, Lee W. Mowen. See my face, that's probably me. <laughs> and then again, there's spam bots on that, never mind. So, that's what I've been thinking about lately. And I guess that will close it out for episode 44. You know, I was worried this week that I didn't get that schedule, or the interview scheduled, but... It turned out to be okay. Gave you updates on the draft, what's happening locally, and yeah, my big issue with last week. Birthday was okay. Like I mentioned, I didn't do anything special. I worked, worked scoreboard for a little league game. I was the only one that was available, so I had to cancel plans and do that. But it's money, so. I didn't turn down money. Next week, hopefully the interview that I've been planning 
If not, hopefully something that isn't solo. I know you're probably getting sick of my voice during the whole thing. I think they'll close it out. Episode 44 in the books of The Gem and the Queen's Crown. Share the word with this podcast. Because this podcast covers a lot more than just the main sports. See you next time. Thank you for listening to The Gem on the Queen's Crown. Follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, the iHeartRadio app, TuneIn, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Acast, Radio Public, Anchor.fm, Radio Line, Player.fm, Spreaker, Podbean, Podchaser, Overcast.fm, BeyondPod, Podbait.fm, and listen notes by searching Gem in the Queen's Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown, and follow on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Follow the host on Twitter and Facebook at The Lee W. Mowen. Visit TheLeeWMowen.com and GemCitySports.com. Music provided by FreestockMusic.com. Music